So last Sunday, Super Bowl excitement turned into Super Bowl terror for many fans watching the game as they uh, quickly switched from Rams-Patriots action into the death of the beloved Bud Knight. Um, Now, Cole and I are shook. We do offer our condolences to the Knight family and wish their son Bud a speedy recovery if he is indeed to come back. Cole, what do you think? Maybe uh, we'll uh, resurrect him here in an upcoming ad? I don't know. I thought I thought some prayers go out to Buddy. Um, Buddy Knight. Though those did look like some pretty serious third degree burns. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, really cooking him. And uh, Miller Lite was cooking the brand uh, a little bit too. So we'll get into that and more up next year on Salad. So welcome back to another week of Salad here. Um Cole, as we were just kind of talking about there, we had the Bud Knight get killed. We had um, a whole lot of mm-hmm. other Super Bowl ads from the previous week. And as you already know, we're recording this um, uh, a week after a week after, I suppose, the Super Bowl. So we're going to touch on this a little bit and then move into some other things happening right now. But Cole, what were kind of your your key trends and takeaways there from the, the Super Bowl spots? Well, there are a few pretty key trends. Probably the biggest one among most, most viewers was that the Super Bowl was was not very exciting this year um and the game was a bit slower a little bit more defense uh focused there but um so a lot of people were expecting something a lot more exciting um and kind of the same thing almost from the ads it felt like a lot of brands were definitely trying to play a little bit safer this year um as well and so you know we had some some top spots with that nfl one uh from 72 um had some Amazon Alexa and uh, Microsoft kind of scoring big wins there, at least at the top of USA Today's ad meter. Um, but some other kind of broader trends that we were seeing was there was a lot of AI and robots, mm-hmm. whether it was kind of the Alexa and the Pringles ad or kind of all those robots and those uh, sprint ads, which I have a certain opinion about. Um, <laughs> robots, robots and androids featured pretty heavily. And interestingly enough, they were all kind of trying to show emotions and uh, or struggling with their emotions in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and finding ways to humanize the technology. Exactly, right? yeah. That's, probably... that's kind of been the main, the main thing that people are saying and um, that maybe this is kind of a way for them to make us, make us more used to those. Um, as well. Um, another another kind of trend that was around was uh, there's a lot of quieter ads, I believe, this year, um, at least a, a few that kind of stood out. One being that uh, Kia Telluride ad um, about that kind of that town in Georgia that just seemed like the worst place to live ever. Um, then there was... Uh, yeah, and then there was that ASMR spot uh, that Zoe Kravitz had for uh, for the organic Michelob. There were also uh, quite a few that had uh, that were celebrity focused. I mean, that's something we always kind of see from the Super Bowl, but um, really, kind of a lot of brands hanging their hats on that celebrity factor. Whether it was uh, you know Jason Bateman and Hyundai ad or Harrison Ford and those Amazon ads. Or Michael Bublé and the Bublé ad. Exactly. <laughs> Michael Bublé and the Bublé ad. And, uh, you know, even, and it was a lot of stars even from the 90s as well, because we had that, that Stella spot as well um, with, uh, you know, with the dude and Carrie Bradshaw. That was pretty fun too. So And uh, the most interesting man in the world. Exactly. Which that was funny too, because I know mother released uh-huh. that spot earlier in the week um and then the the Dosecki's guy wasn't in it and then um 
after they that commercial went live during the Super Bowl, I went on my Instagram and saw Mother post on their Insta story, and it was just a like up close photo of the uh, the Dosecchi's guy with just T he written underneath him, and I was like, that's pretty funny. It's like such a funny exactly. character. Exactly, throwing Easter eggs into your Super Bowl ads. That's always fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the biggest ads that we kind of saw make an impact was the Bud Light spot. Again, they always kind of uh, try to make an impact, and we had kind of two distinct ones that uh, really kind of took the crowd by storm. And the first of those that we kind of wanted to touch upon was the uh, corn syrup ad. So we had a kind of an expansion of the Bud Light universe uh, with the the Bud Light King traveling to all the different beer kingdoms and trying to fi- figure out whose corn syrup they had received. So that was kind of a clever one. Um, I don't know. What did you think about that one, Trent? Um, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely made my my thoughts on these ads pretty clear that they're just such a great way. I mean, we talked about in another episode of, of like the importance of building a brand world and how that can help your brand. Um, but what's funny is like, Again, it's just such a snarky way to uh, to call out other brands while putting your own in a positive light. Because for most people in like a health conscious America, they're just going to be sitting on their couch eating all this food, and then they're going to be feeling a little bit fat, and they're going to realize, oh, well, hey, Bud Light's a healthy option. Let me go grab that from the fridge instead of this other beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's kind of funny, like, and what's interesting too is like, you know, usually you have to really evaluate whether or not when you're doing an ad, if you want to call out and directly compete with another brand one, cause you need to make sure it's accurate so you can't get sued. Uh, all of the, the Chevy ads that we talked about previously or, and two, uh-huh. you have to make sure that by you calling out the other brand, it's not going to positively increase their brand, um, awareness and kind of reputation as well. Right. Um, but I think this was cool too, just because like apart from the comedy aspects of it, Bud Light has really benefited from this ad post Super Bowl, which is what I want to kind of dig into too. So Miller Light responded to the um the <laughs> to the Bud Light ads with like a giant page ad in the New York Times that essentially was like, Dear Beer Drinkers of America. And then it dives into um the Bud Light ads and talks about how um they are using corn syrup, but they're not using um, like high fructose corn syrup. And there's a big difference where like they're saying corn syrup is part of the brewing process and it doesn't even end up in your can of Miller Lite. Um, you know, they talk about how it started a corn traversy, which I do respect the pun. Um, but it's just kind of funny because they're like they're trying to like dig back at Bud Light. But in my opinion, it kind of just came across as, I don't know, just kind of like, all right, dude. Yeah, whatever. You know, you got got and you're just trying to like kind of like weasel out of it now. Um. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. And I mean, you think about how many people saw that response versus how many people I mean, they took out a full page ad, I believe, right? In a, yeah, yeah. In a major newspaper, but they I mean, still nowhere close to the amount of people that Bud Light would have got. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, too, is it's like, I think like as a brand, it's like Bud Light, I feel like appeals to younger audiences and probably to some older audiences too because it just is such a funny loose brand and then for miller light to go ahead and just do such a staunch like kind of just 
basic response of kind of like it feels very uppity very very kind of formal it's like they could have easily responded in a different way that was a lot more loose to kind of like playing back at bud light i feel like that would have at least made me respect miller light and be like oh look they get it they're just fun ribbing you know what i mean and they're playing back at it they can take a punch and land one too in this way though that just kind of feels very very lame and what's kind of funny though Uh is then because bud light's just living in this you know what i mean Bud Light then responds with a, a a scroll from the king on social media that starts off with uh, yeesh that escalated quickly and then it just kind of goes in and and again like this is the difference between two brands right like Bud Light has this brand world where they can be funny and do all these different things and it fits in their little environment whereas Miller Lite doesn't really have anything special and they have to just respond like a corporate PR response but then Bud Light responds like with lines like in the Bud Light Kingdom, we love corn too. Corn on the cob, cornbread, popcorn. We just don't brew with the syrup, what you call dextrose, which is funny too, because now Bud Light's throwing out like a chemical name to like get people like, ooh, I don't know how to pronounce that or I don't know what that is, so I'm not going to want to drink it. You know what I mean? Which is kind of clever too. Um, but then they also go like, my royal accountant tried to get me to brew with corn syrup to save money. But even though corn syrup's less expensive, we brew with rice along with the finest hops, barley, and water because I'm the king and it's my not my job to save money. Um, you know, so it's kind of funny like that is they're able to like then add in little hits and stuff and more shots at Miller Lite um, through this kind of humor. And it's just we'll see what Miller Lite's response is. Um, but it's just kind of funny, like not only did they pay all this money for the Super Bowl ad, but again, they've kind of by digging at this other beer brand, they've kept the conversation going. And now they're really getting free publicity. I mean, other than paying agency service fees, you know, what does it cost to send a tweet out there? You know what I mean? So it's just kind of funny to see that and how Miller Lite has kind of played into Bud Light's hands. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's just kind of interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I think it's, um, I think it's interesting to see kind of, at least from my perspective, to see Bud Light take such a strong stand on this corn syrup um, argument, because it doesn't seem like something that people were really talking about so much in the beer industry, at least not right now so much. I mean, we had Michelob, which is also owned by um, AB InBev, that kind of uh, planted its flag, you know, as the, you know, the healthy beer, the, you know, the the fitness beer or whatever, um, yeah. you know, with those Chris Pratt spots last year and a few other ones. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see. The Michelob Ultra is a good point, too, especially because they're owned by the same, like, I guess, parent company. Exactly. Um, it is curious to see because I just remember, you know, working on like a beer account, you know, obviously, um, you know, health is a big thing, um, you know, like you had alluded to. But the interesting thing, too, is it's it's really like the beer market is just stagnant at this point. More and more people are drinking spirits. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's interesting, too, is the fact that Bud Light felt like this was the path they had to go because as I was reading on as some article pointed out, you know, it's interesting that they chose to attack another beer brand when like, you know, a vodka company such as like Tito's, for example, also uses corn syrup. Um, so it that's kind of revealing to me in a sense. I feel like strategically it means that these beer companies feel like they can't really fight back against these spirits as much. And instead they have to compete with their own beer brands to just maintain as much of the market share as they can and like force these other beer companies out. So it is really interesting too. Um, I just wonder, you know, how that industry will pan out because I would have thought maybe going after the vodka or these other spirit companies would have been equally as good. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day too, 
I think maybe Miller Lite is a more nationally or nationally <laughs> nationally understandable, recognizable brand too. That maybe not everyone would know what a Tito's or some other vodka brand is in their living room. So mm-hmm. maybe that was also behind. Definitely, and I think too, just to see you know the beer brands kind of taking shots at each other. I'd say the natural, you know. You know, the Bud Light's claim of corn syrup is, you know, it's really most effective against those other beer brands, I feel like. And and it'll kind of be interesting to see, too, how they use this to fight then, you know, kind of the ciders and the hard seltzers. Like now, now it seems like hard seltzer is really kind of in. I know we had that other um, more controversial AB InBev spot um, with the mermaids yeah. uh, for the hard seltzer as well. So I think that's another angle that the market's kind of getting pressure put on it yeah um the other thing we want to touch on really quick um this happened last weekend now or uh, yesterday technically if you're listening to it when this has come out but i thought it was really interesting the burger chain that also makes pancakes yes ihop um, is also making pizzas now um for was a national pizza day i know i celebrated had a nice little little cinnabon and pizza but ihop is celebrating it by making pancizas um, AKA a giant freaking pancake that comes in like a pizza, pizza, I guess, plate thing, you know, sliced up in all the like eight slices. Um, it's available in New York city, um, LA, Dallas, and Chicago. And what's just kind of funny is even like in New York city, they took over like a, a, a pizza store on Bleecker street, which has a lot of foot traffic. And it was just the pan pizzeria for the entire day. Um, and I think this has kind of gotten roasted too, you're saying, right, Cole? Like as far as like the food, people weren't necessarily a big fan of it. But um, I mean, pancake pizza, <laughs> questionable, questionable culinary option there, <laughs> I feel like. Um, yeah, definitely a questionable culinary option. I think, or culinary um, option, ha, huh? <laughs> at your name, well. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because even in the picture that's like released to all the, like, the different press outlets, it's uh-huh. literally like the thing is soaked and syrup and that's what's funny to me too is like part of the beauty of like a plate is the syrup can roll off onto the plate and it doesn't soak directly into the pancake but in this it's almost in a bowl right because it's a pizza pan and so it's just <laughs> even in the photo you can just see it's soaked um but you can get the buttermilk pan pizza the cupcake or the bacon and cheddar pan oh bacon and cheddar <laughs> <laughs> yeah for the uh, yeah, for the bowl right so. it's kind of interesting uh it's just interesting right because like you'll see brands like kfc and kind of old spice to a certain degree to do this where it's like what is the like how many things can you put out there that gain attention i think kfc is most known for that in the sense of like even doing like gravy candles and and shit like that where it's like how many weird unique kind of like product activation product you know sponsorships can you do with like a brand to just get people's attention and i think this is another example of like droga five with ihop has started doing this too where you know obviously they did the burger activation stunt then now they're doing a pizza stunt you know which is ways that get people talking about the brand i think probably try to serve to remind them oh yeah ihop is out there and i might not want to get a piece of pizza from ihop but you know I might as well go in there to get my, you know, my breakfast there another time. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. Just- Definitely. And I think too, it's kind of, you know, in line with a lot of the other stuff that Droga has done for IHOP, you know, since gaining that account, um, you know, last summer we had the IHOB. Um, I remember it was in, uh, 
when I was in LA yeah. last summer, there was the, I, I saw the location that they had, they switched that P to B for International House of Burgers. Um, so kind of more stunts like that. And then yeah. I also, I also really have a soft spot in my heart for an ad that they put out last year um, where it was like bird watching, oh, but they were looking for pancakes. <laughs> um, and I just thought that one was just so, it was that, that dry, really dry humor, but just like so, so funny. I, just to see this like dad and daughter hunting for pancakes and trees and stuff like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I forgot about that. I think that's a smart way too, is like you're really making, I don't know. I don't know if it's a forgotten food. Cause like I would choose like pancakes, you know, and French toast and all that. But I think like for some people it's like, is it waffles or pancakes and pancakes can often get like kind of forgotten. So it's kind of funny too, to take like a, bland relatively bland breakfast food right and make it just ubiquitous with so many different things in culture and it's just kind of a funny i don't know what the i don't know if that's intentional or not but it is a kind of funny little detail there too that's going on but um you know with with that too i think we've talked enough about breakfast food and and beer and ads to make you want to go get a bud light at your local ihob <laughs> but um you know we also want to get into our, our chat today and so we're going to have on rain chapman who is a junior art director over at RPA. It's, um, it's a large independent agency on the West Coast, um, best known for their farmer's insurance ads and Honda ads. And, um, you know, Rain has worked on a couple different cool projects. And, you know, we want to bring her on and talk with her a little bit more. So we're going to learn a bit, a little bit about the creative process here and what goes into that. So, um, you know, Rain, we're really excited to have you on. Um, and do you want to kind of get things started today by just giving us a brief overview of, you know, RPA where you're working and what your day-to-day looks like over there? Yeah, sure. Thank you both for having me. Um, The nice, I would say at least the fun thing about being on the creative side at an agency and especially a big one like RPA that has so many different clients and um, projects is that like my day-to-day is really never the same. It kind of depends on, you know, where I'm at in the process or the creative process. So it's like sometimes at the beginning, I'm concepting with my partner um, in advertising, normally an art director and a writer work together. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, concepting stage is totally different than them being in production where you're at edits or, you know, at shoots and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say my day-to-day is really not very day-to-day. It's so different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But um, it really just depends on where you're at in projects. But that kind of makes it interesting. You know, nothing is ever the same or boring i would say definitely and how would you kind of describe like what does an art director do for those who are listening that may not know so um as an art director like i said i work with my partner and in the beginning of projects we'll get briefed so maybe it's to you know make some billboards for ampm or come up with some new spots to talk about their you know new products lines um we'll work (laughs) together to come up with some sort of concept or kind of interesting hook. And then the writer will focus mostly on writing the script and I'll work on, you know, how's this going to look? How are we going to shoot it? What's that billboard going to look like? Is it going to, you know, just kind of more. Yeah. But I'll say there is Mm -hmm. still a bit of overlap in that, you know, 
my writer will be like, oh, do you like this line? How do you feel about that? Sometimes our directors will throw out a headline here and there and they'll give me input on, you know, oh, I like how this thing looks better than that or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like when it gets into production or anything, it's everything from dealing with wardrobe to locations. Um, You'll be color correcting with, you know, normally a vendor outside of your agency um, right. Just making sure everything looks really good, consistent. Consistency is a big thing. I think you don't realize until you get into producing larger types of work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, awesome. Yeah. So, coming out of school, um, you know, how did you kind of prepare for uh, your job as an art director, or did, is that what you knew that you wanted to do, or did you just kind of move into that field? Um, how did you kind of how did you kind of get to where you are today? I actually originally studied public relations at USC and I really liked the strategy and the thinking that went into public relations, but I also realized I kind of started dabbling in some communication design classes and realized that I really liked actually executing, you know, this is a strategy. How would that look? What would that logo look like? What would that rebrand look like? And I kind of figured out, that advertising even had like jobs probably my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say I was never an art, very artistic person. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have called myself an artist. I don't draw, I don't paint, never mm-hmm. did anything like that. Um, didn't even really do photography. Um, so I just started learning the programs, you know, Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign, right. and really almost everything I feel like, or at least my strong base of what I learned. I learned at a smaller ad agency right out of school. Well, I guess I started interning there the summer before my senior year and kind of mm-hmm. continued working there throughout my senior year. And they taught me a ton in regards to the process, creative thinking, um, how to actually make comps, how to source images, all that sort of stuff. And then I also went to bookshop, which is taught a lot of bookshop teachers actually do work at RPA. Um, and it's, but it's taught at, uh, agencies all over LA. So I had a class at Deutsch. I had a class at Phenomenon. Yeah. Wow. And they really kind of, I feel like strung the pieces together for me in my mind of Mm -hmm. like how to go about a creative process. That's awesome. And I guess kind of going off of that too, um, you know, the creative process is like, a, it's a very personal thing, right? You're kind of working with someone else that you may or may not know to to kind of create this seedling of an idea and watch it kind of grow. And, you know, I've seen, you know, for my internships, you know, creative pairs can have trouble working together right off the bat. And I feel like even when you get paired with someone you may not know right away, it can be challenging. So, you know, how do you work with writers and other creatives on the job and, you know, what have been your struggles or have you had any struggles kind of pairing up with, um, with like a writer and trying to create this, um, this work? Um, I think, you know, sometimes people just don't mesh well. And I kind of think in a lot of creative partnership partnerships, there's like a yin and a yang, um, kind of balance to their Mm -hmm. personalities. And that doesn't mean that they're not good creatives if they don't work well together, just sometimes they don't quite match up or how they communicate doesn't quite work. So that can happen sometimes. And I think it's always just good to remember that it's not necessarily a reflection on either of the people just might not be, you know, the match made in heaven. And then I think it's just all about feeling comfortable and feeling 
you know, is when you're concepting, you're throwing out some stuff that's like really, really bad and some stuff that ends up being good. And you just have to feel, you know, comfortable talking to that person and kind of being able to just not hold your ideas too closely and realize that when you do work together, when you build off of each other, that's when you're going to come up with something better than you just having one idea by yourself. Right. And I think, you know, that kind of patience and then that kind of confidence in your ideas, I think is important. And it kind of touches on this follow-up question, but, you know, along with that, would you have any advice for kind of some young creatives just starting out who are, who are struggling? Has there been anything you've worked to do that you found has been helpful? Um, I would say like, especially for young creatives, like every opportunity, even mm-hmm. if it is like a, you know, not so great partnership or, not so great. You maybe you don't really get along with your teacher or your creative director or something like every, everything is an opportunity still to learn. And when, especially right. we're younger and more junior, you can, you know, you can learn mm-hmm. at the very least what you don't want to do or how you don't, or yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to be that <laughs> kind of partner, you know, just, just take every opportunity to learn as much as you can is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. And kind of, I guess, in the vein of learning, I know that you had, uh, you kind of talked about kind of the role that strategy plays in kind of formulating creative concepts and whatnot. Um, so what, what do you think it looks like that looks like when it's working well, what is a, what is a really beneficial, um, relationship between creative and strategy in your experience? In my experience, honestly, it's, Sometimes when you bring your creative ideas into like your internal meeting where strategies there, accounts there, everyone is in the room listening to it. I think sometimes, you know, we get really attached to our ideas and I think it's just good to keep an open mind that everybody in that room is there for a reason and they might all have different, I guess, priorities of, you know, strategy is trying to obviously hit the strategy, digital, digital strategy is strategy is trying to get the best performance account wants to make sure, you know, clients Mm -hmm. is happy. And while sometimes their feedback can feel like it's taking away from your idea, I think it's about learning how to collaborate with those people in order to just make the idea better. Mm -hmm. Because even though their priorities are a little different than yours and it's going to bring something a little different to the idea, that's what makes this work. That's going to be the most impactful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Do you think too, um, it it can be difficult. I feel like, um, you know, sometimes strategy can get a little bit too stuck in the weeds where they've got an idea and it's like, how do you fit a creative idea into this? Or sometimes I found like, you know, you can find that you have a great idea creatively and try and back it into the strategy. Have you had any difficulties, um, trying to find that perfect mesh between like, what is the idea that fits best with the strategy, but still feels like it's a creatively engaging piece of work. Um, and how have you kind of managed that? I think working, you know, I've told, I think we face that in every single brief and every single project we work on, um, you know, backwards engineering things, trying to figure out how they can work. And I think it's just important to know that if you have the best idea ever for a that, you know, project, but it doesn't fit with the strategy, then maybe it's just something you back pocket for later. There are infinite creative ideas, infinite creative solves. That's kind of what's so fun about what we do. So, you know, if you come up with a really good idea and you like it, but it doesn't fit, maybe you just, you know, back pocket it for later. There'll be another project Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, or, 
if you're, I would say, (laughs) I would say sometimes too, you just kind of have to learn how to sell the idea. Like not the strategy is bullshit by any means because it isn't, but sometimes, you know, you have an idea and you can still come up with stuff that kind of sells it. You kind of, there's a, there is a bit of like, fluff and flower that kind of you can you have to learn how to put around your ideas i think to best sell them to the room mm-hmm. yeah you know? exactly. so i think it's just kind of finding that balance like strategy is very important and for the most part isn't but sometimes you do have to be like why did you choose that color orange oh it <laughs> creates this ray of sunshine blah blah blah. you know something random <laughs> that's a little far-fetched but you kind of have to just lean into that yeah exactly and i'm sure that helps with with clients uh-huh. too when they have a little bit more uh, i guess insight with air quotes on to to why some things work over others um and i'm, I'm kind of curious about that too like um what what have you kind of found you know if a client if you hand a piece of work to a client, you know, and they're a little bit hesitant on the creative. Um, what have you kind of found? What strategies have worked best uh, to kind of like resolve those client disagreements? Is it kind of, you know, obviously when you present it the first time, you want to have some of these ideas like you talked about, about why certain things are placed on that ad or in that, you know, that script. But um, what other strategies have you found work best there? I think it really is just being able to tell a story and leveling, like being able to sh- set up an idea and show that it's checking all of their boxes. You know, we like this idea because it speaks to our audience and it works great in social, which is where our media buy is. And it's, you know, you kind of want to like be building up all these reasons why this idea is going to work on top of the fact that you love the creative. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't present in front of clients really too often. A lot of times like our creative directors will do that. And some of the people above me will as well. But when I've, when I see them and when I hear them talk, they, you know, they tell a story and then give a narrative while also including all of that strategy. They just normally know how to romance it a little bit more to really kind of, you know, as you want us to like woo the client or get them to be on board with an idea. And then when they do have doubts, I think it's about making sure that they understand that, you know, you're, you're hearing them and you Mm -hmm. think that, their input on that idea is just going to make it better. It's not going to kill it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, again, Uh working with those people to make the idea better and fit better. The empathy factor seems to really continue to be a big point. I feel like if you can relate to them and make them feel heard and, you know, because it, like you had said too, like some input can be good for the creative process too and can help the idea kind of further evolve. So it's a good point to bring up as well. Yeah. Some of it doesn't and you just kind of yeah. got to figure out how to <laughs> check that box without ruining the idea, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, and it, it seems like it would kind of, I don't know, uh, you know, certain yeah. projects, maybe you're able to kind of express yourself more or kind of, you know, play around a little bit. Are there certain clients or certain types of projects that you generally enjoy working on more than others? Um, I think creatives in general, like the projects with that put you don't put you in a box, you know, anything that it's like more blue sky or come up with just any campaign or, how, you know, that's always more fun. The more freedom you have, the more fun it is. Right. What's one of your favorite projects you've worked on um, so far? Um, that's kind of tough. There's been different ones for different reasons. I'd yeah. say one that we recently launched at the end of last year was for Pocky, the Japanese snack. I don't know if you're familiar. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I've seen those. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely tasty yeah, stuff. They're they're great. <laughs> we had them around the office a lot recently. Um, but we actually were able to pitch them and win the business and work on that idea and kind of you know it was a it was a grueling I would say ten months just because it was pretty long, but. That was really fun because we actually got to like launch the brand here and come up with something entirely new and make a look and design how we want everything to feel and sound. And, you know, having that kind of freedom and they're also just an awesome client to work with was really Mm -hmm. nice and refreshing. And they were definitely people where everything that they like any input they had, I do feel like made the idea better, which is just nice when you feel like you have that good partnership and you're able to come up with something that, you know, if you look at the idea at the beginning when you made it, and then you look at the idea in the end and they're fairly similar, like that's exciting. So that means it was a good idea and you got to keep that essence. Sometimes, you know, you will go through the creative process and you look at your mm-hmm. end product and not to say it's bad or anything, but sometimes you're like, this doesn't even look at like anything relative to the concept that we first came up with. And sometimes yeah. that's okay. And then sometimes it can be a little disappointing, you know, just, it depends. But um, yeah, that was exactly. definitely a really fun project. They're a really fun brand to work on. And I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. No, that seems that seems like honestly like one of the most fun brands that you even could work on. And also it's just, the, you know, those right, projects yeah. that you're able to kind of build from the ground up like that. It's like you feel like you have so much ownership as well, which is which is super cool. Totally. New business in general is fun for that reason, because normally it is like, let's blow them out of the water. Let's do something crazy. Like, what's the best? You know, it's at that point you have like the least limit. So right. those projects are always like the most fun. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh-huh. Awesome. So when you're kind of trying to then come up with ideas, how do you kind of strengthen and sort of like nurture your creative inspiration as you're kind of developing your ideas, either with your partner or kind of on your own? Um, I always like to look at different areas of like inspiration mm-hmm. and Honestly, a lot of times it's stuff that doesn't even necessarily, it's not even like looking at other commercials. It's just looking at, you know, other animation houses or I follow a ton of designers and kind of, you know, creative thinkers on Instagram. And like, it just like, I don't know, it's, it's being able to open up your mind in a way. Cause sometimes I'll just be like scrolling through some of the saved Instagrams and you'll see like a picture of a banana and, you know, something else. Mm -hmm. And it's like made out of, I don't know, something weird. And even though that has nothing to do with what you're working on, it like might spark something like, Oh, what if we made it like this? Or what if we, you know, there's just ways of, I think finding inspiration that maybe doesn't directly relate to what Mm -hmm. you're doing. That's really helpful. Cause then, you know, you're not trying to be like, Oh, how can I kind of use that idea without taking that idea? It gets Mm kind of rough then. So I like looking at least at like, other stuff that doesn't really have to do with advertising insights and experiences life experiences and insights and that kind of stuff is really really helpful yeah and it's cool Mm -hmm. definitely it feels like more and more it's you know honestly better to kind of just like pull things out of the culture you know in some way and and even like drawing from personal experience it's like kind of the best way to connect with you know and empathize with another person so i think that's that's super cool yeah definitely empathizing with people and, you know, being able to get in their head is like super important. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. And, you know, that's kind of, it seems like that's kind of like the fun side of it, but what are kind of some of the highs and lows then of being a creative and kind of having to get those creative ideas, you know, to the client? Uh, you know, are there any parts that you like or dislike more than others? I mean, concepting is definitely a high. That's always really fun because you're yeah. just, you know, coming up with cool uh, ideas. That's always of course. to do. Um, personally, sometimes when, you know, we get into like, the nitpicky comping and mm -hmm. stuff that would be more fun, but normally you don't have a lot of time. So it's just really stressful. Yeah. So you're like, I need to find somebody in this position to put them in this room so they can look like they're doing that, you know, and that can be a little stressful. But, um, I have found that there's other times where you're really learning and expanding your like Photoshop skills and stuff that are more fun. But I think just like some of the nitpicky things I get a little, bored or maybe frustrated from not to say right. that they're not important but especially in like comps I'm like uh does that really matter <laughs> you know <laughs> and it does it does but when you're like really tired and you have a tight deadline sometimes <laughs> it's hard to keep it in perspective <laughs> exactly production is also super super fun because you get to go to production houses and editing and they like pamper you oh, and yeah. treat you like <laughs> kings so that's super yes, fun. free food is always good <laughs> yeah free food is exactly great yeah um, and i'm curious too do you have any advice i know you kind of talked about the bookshop and how you kind of got into the industry do you have any advice for you know students now whether they're still in college or they're about to graduate um you know, and how advice for them on how they can break into the agency world, especially on the creative side, um, whether it's advice for their book or, you know, networking or how to get out there. I would just do is, yeah, like network as much as you can. I don't love networking, but it's still good to do. Um, also, like for your book, if you're an art director, definitely try and just like strengthen your Photoshop and design illustrator skills. You know, there's tons of tutorials online. I'm pretty sure like there's a ton of ways to get free lynda.com subscriptions. Oh, yeah. I know in LA, at least if you have like a library card, you can. Okay. Um, I don't know about for everywhere else, but doing tutorials and those types of things. And just like also not taking your work too seriously. Like if I look back on some of the stuff that I first made, which I actually recently did, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> horrible. Like, <laughs> you know, it's really, yeah. really bad. <laughs> and you have to just kind of like, make things and then let it go and make something new because you're going to get better. But like, yeah, probably the first print ad you make is not going to look like something that can go in a magazine. It's probably going to look really shitty. Exactly, yeah. And you kind of just have to keep going, keep learning, you know, finding places like bookshop or anywhere that fits your schedule too. Don't think you have to go to a four year school. Mm. Honestly, if you can weasel your way into, you know, maybe a smaller agency or a graphic design shop or, mm -hmm. You know, writers a lot of times are also comedians and that really helps them. Just mm -hmm. anything will that's strengthening, you know, your writing or your creative, graphic, visual, whatever skills is going to help you. And there isn't one clear path, that's for sure. And you never know when like, I mean, I just happened to take bookshop to try and get better at concepting. And then one of my bookshop teachers emailed me and was like, hey, do you want an internship? Like, I know it's kind of like going a little backwards, but you know, RPA is obviously a really great place right. and a much bigger shop. So I was like, sure. And that, you know, but I didn't, I didn't see that coming at least not at that point. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, 
No, that's a great point. I mean, I think even too back to when like I started photography and then looking <laughs> at those, you know, photos that I used to take right when I first got my camera to like now it's just night and day too. So it's always funny um, to go back and look. And I think that's a great point too. That's like the more you just keep working and the more you kind of find inspiration uh, from other creatives and from other things in the world, it just continues to evolve your own style too, which is fun. It's always cool to see. And one of the coolest things about now is that like, I don't know. I've heard of people who, you know, made some funny Instagram account or did some weird stunt or did something kind of out there. And somehow that got them like an internship at like Wyden and Kennedy or that got them somewhere, you know, like right. there was like a Sprite guy or a seven up guy, I think last year that did that. Who was it? I think, I think there was a guy who did like a, I don't remember if it was Sprite or seven up, but he did a rap about that and why he should be on the account. And I think he got an internship at Wyden over that or something, which was crazy. I was like, what yeah. the heck? <laughs> totally. So, you know, I've, there was some funny Instagram account. I can't remember the exact details, but there's some mm-hmm. funny Instagram account somebody made recently that like was just pretty silly or they, I think they like put hamburgers in everyone's, I don't know. I can't remember what they did, but yeah. anyways, yeah. It's like, you never know when something's going to lead you to your, you know, dream job, or maybe it isn't your dream job, but it's at least like three steps before it. So you're on your way. Exactly. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a a very good way to break through creatively. I feel like, cause there's so many people that apply to all these different jobs. It's like, how can you really, you know, get off the resume and make an impact? I think networking can help with that too. But like you had said too, kind of being creative and being yourself and how you approach these processes can really make a difference too. Yeah. Which is, you know, I would say even as somebody who's still relatively young, hard to do when you're figuring yourself out, but if you can, you definitely should. Kind of balancing (laughs) that a little bit too, I feel like. But um, yeah, so just kind of uh, before we kind of wrap things up here, there's kind of one question we usually like to ask um, at the end. And I know that you had mentioned before that kind of to inspire your creativity or when you're kind of looking for inspiration, you know, you go to a lot of different places online or, you know, even just looking at other ads or other content outside of that. What are maybe some some places you go or maybe like even it's just a video or a book you've read recently that like has really kind of spoken to you in a way or you really think would be good to share? Um, I, I feel like I've been relatively busy in the last year and probably need to like revamp where I find my inspo. But like I kind of mentioned before, I just because it's so easy, I follow tons of creatives, whether they're animators or designers mm-hmm. or whatever, um, you know, people who draw, they're all, I, I just, I tend to follow a lot of people on Instagram. And then when I see something that is just cool or has a cool insight or whatever, I think is kind of creative in some way, mm-hmm. I normally just save it. And like, that's, I feel like recently where a lot of my inspiration has kind of come from. And it's always good too, because people always want to see like reference oh, images right. or yeah. something. So I just have that little library of them saved. You know, <laughs> I, I also really like going on Behance. They have curated galleries. Oh. And yeah, so there's some that are advertising focused. There's some that are like graphic design focused. And I feel like those are also pretty good pools just because everyone on Behance is like, you know, fairly talented. So it's like the the better form of Pinterest, I would say. Oh, I like this. Yeah, I just pulled up on my phone. It's it's cool. Yeah, it's a good place for artists. I I don't have as much info on the uh, writer side of where they find inspo. But I know they probably pick up a book or something. something. (laughs) (laughs) Words beget more words. (laughs) 
Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. That kind of stuff, you know. Well, sweet. I mean, that kind of wraps up our questions for you, but, um, you know, it was great having you on, Rain. Thanks again for coming. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It was great Mm -hmm. talking to you. And uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you again to Rain and to RPA for bringing her on. Um, Rain is actually the second person we've had on the show from RPA, and they've definitely been very supportive of this podcast and a big help to us. Um, and so just want to say thank you to them. It's always exciting to have them on. And, you know, it was great talking with Rain. I think she had really good points about, you know, kind of the importance of, you know, fueling your creativity and nurturing your creativity, but not necessarily always doing it through, through ads and other people's work, but, you know, looking to the world around you. Um, you know, I'm definitely looking at Behance right now and I <laughs> love the stuff that's on there. So it's a cool resource. <laughs> I recognize all create, recommend all creatives. Check that out. It's B-E-H-A-N-C-E. Um, it's an app on the app store, but it's also got a website here and it's super cool. Um, and yeah, it's always great hearing about the campaigns too. I think the Pockies were really cool uh, to hear about too. And I mean, Cole, did you have any kind of key takeaways before we wrap up here? Um, kind of just touching upon some of the things that you said. I mean, I think honestly, it was really interesting to hear how Rain kind of looks to places outside of advertising and within advertising uh, for uh, kind of producing her creative ideas and kind of uh, using her creative process and how you know, you can really find inspiration from anywhere, you know, whether it's a piece of art or, you know, something that's happening in culture to kind of inspire that next, you know, exciting campaign. And so um, I think that was really cool to hear about her using that in her work as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think it just further shows too, for all the creatives out there who are interested in getting into the industry, it's obviously it's a tough industry. It's a hard industry, especially for creatives. Um, You know, but definitely take to heart Rain's advice about working with others. I think that that was spot on. And, and I think, you know, you'll, you know, everyone will find their way in. And, and I also just liked her point about, you know, sometimes it's not only like the easiest way is not only to just apply and like get in the application, but if you can find a way to be yourself and be creative and kind of break through the clutter too, with some kind of a creative idea, like we talked about the, the White and Kennedy guy who's, who rapped about the, the soda brand, or, you know, there are obviously other ones out there too. Um, I think the the takeaway from there is just be yourself and, you know, let your personality shine through with these, um, these applications and these spots. And, you know, that'll kind of help you more than anything, be yourself and find your, your niche in the, in the advertising community by just being a champion for you and your, your unique take on things. And, you know, I think with that, um, we're going to wrap up this week's episode, but, um, you know, stay tuned next week for a exciting guest. I'm not going to spoil who it'll be, but it is, you know, a reunion of sorts, a, um, you know, a, uh, the side salad is now, uh, back in the fold with the full salad. And, um, <laughs> if you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about, tune mm-hmm. in next week and find out, um, with that, you know, I just want to say thanks again to rain and RPA. Um, been fun talking to you this week, Cole, and just mm-hmm. good night, everyone from Tempe. <laughs> All right. Okay. Wait, are you going to say have an fantastic week? Oh, you're right. <laughs> and have an ad t- and have an fantastic week, everyone. <laughs>